The other day I was in a conversation about the new Andy Stanley book called Irresistible. Most of the people in the room had read the book, although I haven't yet. But Andy has taken a lot of heat for his view on the Old Testament. The word shift came up. Has Andy shifted in what he believes? And if he has, is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I think shift happens. Welcome to Deeply Spiritual, but Rather Uncertain. how often I hear people say, we believe what the Christians have always believed. Sometimes that might be true, but more often than not, it is a false statement. I would suggest that our theology and our doctrine and our methodology has continually been shifting since the first century. I'm sure there are pros and cons to all of those shifts, but they have led us to what the church believes and teaches today. Our beliefs are constantly shifting. I would suggest, however, that shift happens a lot faster today in the 21st century than it ever has before. If you are in business, you know this all too well. I heard Simon Sinek speak recently, and he was talking about business principles that are completely outdated and bound to fail. He was talking about business principles from the 1980s. According to Sinek and many others, if you're doing business today as you did in the 80s, you are bound to fail. Shift is happening at an alarming rate. And it's not just in methodology. It's in core beliefs. And those beliefs lead to different methods. Christianity has always struggled with change. If you'll allow me to get a little nerdy on you, I want to talk a little bit about some of the major shifts that have happened in church history over the years. But in an attempt not to bore you to tears so that you shut off the podcast before you get to the good part, I'll give you just a brief overview of these changes, but hopefully it'll be enough that it'll be able to make my point. One point of clarity before I get into this. I am not saying that God changes. Personally, I believe that God is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God doesn't change. But our understanding of that unchanging God has shifted radically over the years, and it continues to shift. I think it's pretty obvious that the first major shift came when Jesus began his ministry. Although if you look closely, you will see shifts in what people believe throughout the Old Testament, but we won't go there today. We'll start with the very major shift that Jesus brought. Now, if you don't believe that he took Judaism and turned it up on its head, well, I don't know what, but the truth is that he did. When he said he came to fulfill the law, 
He was saying that there was a huge shift in thinking and an understanding of who God is that was about to happen, a new way to think, a new way to see things. My favorite example is when Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples just before his crucifixion. His disciples had been celebrating Passover since they were born. They knew the liturgy and all the symbolism. They knew what each element of the Passover meal represented. But in this Passover meal, Jesus shifts everything. He says, this bread is my body broken for you. This wine is my blood poured out for you. You used to understand it like this, but now I want you to understand it differently. I think often we miss how radical Jesus was when it came to how people understood who God was. It makes sense because it's how we've always seen it. Many of us have grown up on these stories of Jesus, and so they're just what's normal for us. But believe me, they were not normal for the people that were steeped in Judaism in the first century. It was a radical shift in what they believed. Then a century later came another massive shift in the church. It was 1054 A.D. The church was divided between the church in the East and the church in the West. The Western church, which we now know as the Roman Catholic Church, and the Eastern church, which we now know as Orthodox or the Greek Orthodox Church. The split had been developing for a very long time, but it all came to a head in 1054. At the center of the debate were two things. There was a significant theological disagreement around the language of the Nicene Creed. The original creed said, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father. Full stop. The Roman church added these words. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son. Our Protestant versions of the Nicene Creed all include and the Son. We would agree that the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity from the beginning, not that he came from the Father only. It was a major shift that has had a pretty major influence on what we believe today. The second debate had to do with the Pope in Rome. The Roman church continued to elevate the position of the Pope until finally he had all authority over everything in the church and the Eastern church disagreed. And in 1054, those two churches split. There were more disagreements that were all very complicated. My point is that there are some dramatic shifts in what we believe, which has led to how we practice our faith that have continued for generations and generations. Jump forward to the Great Reformation of the 16th century. It started when Martin Luther wrote his 95 thesis and nailed it to the door in Wittenberg Castle in Germany. Again, this wasn't something that was totally out of the blue. It had been brewing for a long time. But talk about major shifts in belief. 
It was incredibly radical. He challenged the power of the church and the Pope, and he put all authority in Scripture. Sola Scriptura was the Latin cry for Scripture alone. Still today, if you walk into the old Reformed churches, you will see the highest point on the platform is the pulpit. It's the place where the Word of God was spoken. Sola Scriptura, the Word above everything else. Luther's thoughts and beliefs spread quickly, mostly because of the invention of the printing press and his willingness to jump on the new technology, which is a fantastic conversation to be had all by itself. He wrote a number of hymns, um, which helped spread these new beliefs as well. At the same time, you had other reformers jump on the bandwagon, such as Wingley and Calvin in Switzerland from which grew the Reformed theology and Calvinism, as well as the Anabaptists, from which sprang the Baptist denomination, as well as the Quakers and the Amish. Again, without getting stuck in the detail, I cannot begin to overstate the radical shifts that were taking place throughout Christianity. We still had the same Bible. We still had the same book of Romans that we have today, but what we believed about all of that was changing radically. The church didn't handle change well. People were actually being executed for heresy. The Anabaptists believed in adult baptism, and the other groups of the Reformation thought that was heresy, and so they would literally drown people that had that belief. While all of that has shaped our belief systems radically, it was not a good time in the history of the church. Another radical shift that I want to mention that has affected most of our churches came in the early 1900s with the beginning of the revival movement. The beginning of this shift is credited to the Azusa Street Revival that started on April 9th, 1906. But like all shifts, there were a lot of rumblings that were happening before this. But an African-American preacher by the name of William J. Seymour started preaching revival that lasted more than three years. The nightly meetings were characterized by speaking in tongues, miraculous healing, and and teaching about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was the beginning of Pentecostalism in the United States that eventually spread around the world and has had a major impact on what we believe and how we practice our faith today. Their emphasis on worship And raising of hands is pretty normal these days, even in a lot of pretty conservative churches. Teaching around the gifts of the Spirit can be found in almost all of our evangelical churches these days. None of that would have happened without a pretty significant shift that started on Azusa Street in California. There's something really interesting that I see, similarities in all this shifting. It does not come easy. People are quite opposed to change. Jesus took massive criticism and was finally crucified for his radical beliefs. 
During the Protestant Reformation, there were literally thousands of people killed because of their radical beliefs. I've never heard of any people that were killed during the Azusa Street revivals. I guess we'd become more civilized by then. But the criticism was loud and harsh. Nobody had ever heard of anything like this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was not spoken about before this time. And the leaders of that movement were harshly criticized by the church. And out of all that came evangelicalism. I use that term a lot, and so maybe it's time I talk about what I mean when I use the word. Evangelicals are not a formal group. There's no head of the evangelical movement. There are, however, a lot of different groups that churches can belong to, like the National Association of Evangelicals or the World Evangelical Association. In South Africa, we have the Evangelical Alliance of South Africa that most of our Protestant churches belong to. But there's not one evangelical group or denomination. One of the great things about evangelicalism is that it crosses denominational and racial divides. It's Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, charismatic, and on and on. It's white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches and Chinese churches. It focuses on the things that we all agree on rather than the things we disagree on, like water baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It generally is anybody that is willing to adhere to a certain set of beliefs. And usually at the top of the list of those beliefs is the Bible. I've got to say something that's really interesting. I've been looking at a lot of these evangelical organizations and their statements of belief. And almost every time, the very first statement, statement number one, is something about the Bible. Then, after that, it speaks about God and Jesus. That seems a bit backwards to me, but maybe that's just me and I digress. But when they talk about the Bible, they use words like inspired, infallible, authority, trustworthy, and in some, although not all of them, they use the word inerrant. Then once they talk about what the Bible is, they talk about who God is, the Trinity, the divinity of Jesus, salvation through death and resurrection. And they would all adhere to those certain beliefs. In America, Evangelical has actually become a political term, and that is incredibly sad. We've come to believe that an evangelical is one who is politically conservative and supports the Republican Party. That, my friends, is not what I'm talking about when I speak of evangelicalism. I'm talking about churches and people that have a particular set of theological and doctrinal beliefs, both written and some not written, but still well understood. Okay, here is the kicker. This is what I wanted to get to. 
I believe that we are in the midst of another major shift in Christian thinking. At the very least, we are in the early rumblings of that shift, but I think we've gone further than that. I don't have any scientific evidence or proof to back these theories up. I'm certainly not an expert on these things. It's just what I see. Really, only time will prove or disprove my theory, but I think shift is happening. I think we are shifting away from believing that God is angry, judgmental, and exclusive to a God who is all-inclusive, all-loving, all the time for everybody, not just the chosen few. I believe there is a shift away from the Bible being at the center of everything. I think we will quit using words like infallible and inerrant and inspired in the future. I think our churches will become more accepting of different beliefs, different methodologies, and different sexual orientations. Now, all that may have just totally freaked you out, and you might think it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard in a long time, and you might be right. Like I say, these are just my views, but I feel like this shift is happening. Certainly, there have been rumblings of this shift going on for a while now. I remember when the issue of divorce was a massive deal in our churches, and it wasn't that long ago. Could a person that is divorced be the pastor of a church or an elder or even a Bible study leader? Could they teach Sunday school or sing in the choir? Should we do weddings for couples where one of them is divorced? But thankfully, over time, in most of our churches, grace has prevailed. We understand that life is messy and complicated, but God's grace is bigger than all the mess and the complication. And clearly, over the last 30 years, we have shifted our view on this subject. I remember the first time I heard a friend of mine who was a bishop in the Methodist church here in South Africa questioning the existence of hell. I almost freaked out. I thought he was a Christian. I mean, he's the bishop. That was probably 25 years ago now. All of this really became a big deal in the evangelical circles when Rob Bell published Love Wins. At least that was the book that got the most notoriety and took the most heat. Many Christian bookstores quit selling Rob's books and his speaking engagements went from tens of thousands of people coming to hear him to hundreds. In Love Wins, he writes of a God who is all-inclusive and all-loving all the time, and he's not as interested as he thought he was at sending people to hell. As I look at church history... And I see the shifts that have taken place. It makes me confident that we will continue to move forward and it's not all going to fall apart. I'm not sure where we are moving is right, but then I'm not exactly sure if where we are is right either. Maybe God is moving us, dare I say, calling us to something bigger, something new, something more beautiful, something that is closer to his heart. 
maybe it's God's idea that shift happens. I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas around this subject. Message me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and we can get in touch um, through my website as well if you want. It's skipcollins.com. If you're listening on iTunes, please go to the bottom and rate and review the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, if this is helpful to you, feel free to share it with your friends and family, people that you think will also be encouraged. So until next time, shalom. Shalom.